You're listening to a Score North podcast right now, and if you're a business owner, so are your customers. In fact, I could be talking about your business right now, telling the tens of thousands of loyal fans about you and sending them to your business. Find out how you can partner with your favorite Score North podcast. Visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. Fill out the form, and we'll get in touch with you quickly. Once Phil, Judd, Declan, or others start talking about your company, you'll be amazed at how many fans start showing up. So visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. Brand. Now launching. Sequence start. Mackie and Judd. We'll see you. We get things rolling with the opening bell. Want to ring the bell? And Jeff Teague taking the basketball away. Beats Taj Gibson and everything going right here tonight for the Timberwolves. That is, um, that's private. Oh! Okogie! May the force be with you! What a night it was for the Timberwolves. 128-89, to the final here tonight. The Timberwolves absolutely manhandle the Spurs. Uh, When Covington comes in, uh, you know, obviously, I thought the defense was great. Uh, You know, I think the way Derek's playing right now is, you know, he's playing at an all-star level. So that's a huge plus for us. I don't know if I've ever seen that before. That's, you know, and so it's, you know, and it's really what you're doing when you're on the floor and how he impacts the game. Uh, but I thought we had a number of guys with the starters that they got off to a good start. Thought they were aggressive. Um, they moved the ball, shared the ball, took care of it, um, did a lot of good things. Chip Scoggins, there were a lot of these last night. Timberwolves positives. <laughs> and there were very few of these. Timberwolves negatives. Because of this. Jeff Teague taking the basketball away. Beats Taj Gibson and everything going right here tonight for the Timberwolves. That is, um, that's private. Oh! Josh Okogie! <laughs> I love that. I love Jim Pease. Oh, yeah. <laughs> what a night it was for the Timberwolves. <laughs> what a call. That's great. One... 28 to 89. The final here tonight. The Timberwolves absolutely manhandle the Spurs. All right, Chipper. Now 11 and 11 on the season, 7 and 2 since the uh, Jimmy Butler trade. And as you said to me uh, before the show started, and I actually wrote this for our uh, 1500ESPN.com website last night. Remove the coaching equation entirely. Mm. This is an eminently likable bunch of players. They are. And Judd, I, I'm, I'm here to admit I was 100% flat wrong. And I wrote it that when they traded Butler, they were not going to be a better team because I didn't think they would be able to get the value back for what, where, where they were, leverage, all that. I just didn't think they were going to get the value back and and that they wouldn't be as good a team. I was wrong. I, I, 100% wrong on that. I mean, this team, ball movement's better, yep. defense is better, body language is better, chemistry chemistry is better, mm-hmm. attitude's better, everything. But you said that. Now, I don't know if he'll sustain it. But, but you but, said the key word. You said, you said within that last statement the absolute key word team. Yeah. This is why hanging on to Butler for so long still, and Covington's been a great addition, so I'm mm-hmm. not trying to sell him short. But this is what we all sat there and said was with Jimmy Butler here, this was not a team. This is now a team, and I think the most important thing, no matter how well Covington plays, and I appreciate the fact that he plays great defense and that he is 
probably a better player than we thought he was. I think the most important factor is one guy. Carl Anthony Towns is now comfortable. Carl Anthony Towns is now happy. And when that's the case, Carl Anthony Towns is the leader of your team and an incredibly effective player. Yeah, and and even uh, with their Butler stuff and even shortly thereafter, what we hear from players... Oh, we could have played with it, Jimmy. You guys made this. You overblew this. You, you made this more than what it is. <laughs> it was is. all your fault. Um, no, we didn't. And the proof is in what we're seeing with our eyes. And Towns, uh, specifically, looks unburdened. And the, the entire team does. He's like, having fun. Yes. And Absolutely. The, the, the thing that is amazing to me is, and Butler's a, a really, really talented defensive player, mm-hmm. but the fact that this team is so much better defensively without him mm-hmm. and that the light's gone on for all the other players. And we thought that would be the effect with Butler here last year and it just didn't materialize and it didn't happen this year that, oh, Butler's going to teach all these guys how to play defense. He's going to make him play defense. And it just his kind of uh, corrosive way of going about leadership, it had the opposite effect. And now you see Covington come in and he's a really talented defensive player. And all of a sudden, everybody else, they're playing team defense. It's not just one guy. It's, they're playing team defense. And so that's been probably the most um, dramatic thing to me is just how well defensively they're playing. Because I thought ball movement would help because Jimmy likes to dribble the air out of the ball. Right. Um, but probably their defense and then also um, the way Derrick Rose is playing. Taj Gibson uh, talked with Marnie Gellner after the game right on, right on the floor, and uh, he said something I thought was very interesting. Uh, we just gained the momentum. We understand we put ourselves in a big hole early, but now the distractions are gone, and uh, we got a new group of guys, and we're playing the right way. That is... Distraction. The yeah. distraction oh, no, there is, there is no... This is, again, this is when we sit in studios like this or newsrooms like the Star Tribune and say, what's a team doing? Yeah. A lot of times... We're right. Fans are right. Mm-hmm. Like you, there was no way. Now, the one thing where we all were wrong about Jimmy, or at least I, I was, and I think assumptions were wrong, was we all thought Jimmy was going to come here and translate for Tibbs mm-hmm. and be a team player. But if you think about it now, what did Jimmy do at every turn? Jimmy told you why it wasn't his fault and how everybody else had to do their job because he he was doing his. Robert Covington hasn't said that once. Yeah, Covington just goes out there, and Robert Covington might not be Jimmy Butler as far as all-star skills across the board. I don't know, but what I do know is that when I watch him play, he's a guy who wants to fit into a team. And this also goes back to the conversation in sports of chemistry. Yeah, And it's why yeah. it drives me crazy when people are like, it doesn't matter. Yes, it does. 100%. Yeah, it does. It matters. Yeah, and you know, I, I would be lying if I said I knew a lot about Covington. Before he came here, me too. I, I had heard of him, yeah. had seen, but mm-hmm. I didn't really know much about him. I've been a um, fan of him for a few years. Yeah, it, it, he's, Chris, he's good, man. Chris Hine from our paper did an, a, a good piece today. I thought he talking to Covington after the game last night about how because he's always communicating on the floor, do this, do that, but in a way that Butler never really understood how to get through to these guys. And he, he talked to him and and basically, if I'm paraphrasing, Covington said, "I kind of know how to pick my spots." when to talk to somebody, when to pull back. And, and there's an art to that. He gets you, it. You know, mm-hmm. there's an art to being yep. able to connect with guys because everybody has different personalities. You can't treat uh, Towns probably the same way you can someone else. Absolutely. Tyus Jones, right. so to speak. And so he's kind of has this personality where even though he's not a superstar, guys listen to him. Yes. You know what I'm saying? Yes. And, and I, I don't know why that is. Maybe it's just his personality or the way he goes about leadership. But it's pretty cool to see that you don't have to be the team's best player 
to have that kind of influence on a team. I think he's a guy too that because remember he was Robert Covington was one of those guys. He was on he was a part of the process in Philadelphia. Those mm-hmm. really bad, awful Sixers teams in like twenty I think twenty fourteen was when he finally got there. He so he was a part of a team that that lost seventy two games that went ten and seventy two. I think that year, his first year there. So like he's he's been through this. So like he's he's been through locker rooms that are tricky and that you know the 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 vibe is sort of negative and like he just kind of knows and he was a part of sort of an ascension. And in let's be honest too. Now. Jimmy Butler is not the norm. Like Jimmy Butler right. did a lot of destructive, destructive yeah. things, and and this is why if you're going to pull the BS that Butler pulled, you have to be an absolute superstar. Mm-hmm. Like you have to be beyond, beyond great, because what we're seeing in Covington is a very good player who who has who has captain like skills and applies himself, and to Chip's point, knows how to look. Listen. Jimmy Butler, in some ways, is a complete dunce. Because when you, how do you look at Carl Anthony Towns, as Phil said a bunch of times, and Phil's right, how do you not look at Cat and say, I'm attaching myself to that wagon? Yeah. Because yeah. that guy's going to be great. And if I follow him and I'm really, really good myself, I think Covington's smart. I think Covington looks at this team and he looks at Cat and he says, okay, mm-hmm. I can work with this. What, mm-hmm. what shouldn't I do with Carl? Belittle him? Yell all the time, make myself a spectacle. In the end, Jimmy Butler is a pretty dumb guy, and Covington's a very smart guy. Mm -hmm. Well, and he, you know, putting him down all the time is not the way to get the best out of a player. And a group, and (laughs) and here, here's here is how dense Jimmy Butler is. Jimmy Butler actually had the lack of brain power, I think, that he grouped. Wiggins and Towns together. Yeah, like yeah. he talked about them as if they were the same player. How mm-hmm. do you do that? If you're Covington, you're looking at you're looking at Andrew, and you, I'm sure you're saying, okay, there's some challenges there, and yeah. there are going to be. But if you're looking at Carl Anthony Towns, you're saying to yourself, there is an all star all star superstar player. And for Jimmy Butler to as so often as he did, Chipper, to lump those two together and talk about them as if they were one player mm-hmm. is incredibly dumb. Well, and it goes back to what I was saying, it's like you can't treat every personality the same way and you can't yep. think Wiggins and Towns have completely different personalities and probably different ways that you try to motivate them and you know we see one guy flourishing and the Wiggins thing is still I, I, don't, I don't know where you go with there what do I'm you do? Of, I'm out of ideas what do you guys do? I, I don't know I, I don't continue know. to ask that question I don't know what do you guys do could one answer be playing this guy more see Josh come off the bench and just give you energy and effort like that after not playing for a while. I mean, what what does it say about him being able to stay ready and take well, advantage? I, I think that, the, you know, and again, I want to watch the film, and that's what, you know, like, when you give up 31 points, Thanks, that's not good. And so, we have to understand that. And then, uh, you know, are we, is everyone doing their job? Is everyone doing the right thing? You know what, I'm just going to stop this. The, this is just fool, foolishness. Come on. The, the oh, question, you, you, you missed it, He actually did talk. He actually did compliment Josh. He's got to work harder. Okay, so I will ask you guys. Josh Okogie. He's got to keep working hard. In the six games leading up to last night, had played a grand total of two minutes. Last night, in, in a complete blowout in the fourth quarter, he comes in. He plays a 10-22 in that game. He scores 12 points. He's 4 of 7 from the field, 3 of 4 on threes, 2 assists, and 1 steal. So, how would you find a way, 
And, and I know there are people saying, well, this team's playing so well, yeah. there's not room. I'm sorry, I'm not going to buy into a philosophy that there's not room for th- this guy to play. And I think I think Josh Okoge getting playing time starts with number 22 not playing as much. Yeah, and that's the thing. I understand that second unit is playing so well. And Derrick Rose is playing... Numbers-wise, the best so, in the NBA yeah, right now. Derrick yeah. Rose is playing so well that yeah. you don't want to upset the apple cart. But, and I understand that you can't play 11 guys. You can't play... Coaches don't like to play 10. I mean, Tibbs is stuck on 9. But I would find a way. I'd be purposeful about it that we need to find a way to get Okogi on the the floor. I mean, it boggles my mind that you go from this kid playing a lot and playing well to all of a sudden now he can't play at all. I know. It's just, I can't even imagine what's going through his mind, too. That earlier in the year, they're really relying on him. And now... He's an afterthought. I just think he, he has to play some. You ha- he has like to, play. You have to be this purposeful team, about this, it. But this team, if this, if you looked at this team and said that they were they were a top three Western Conference team, and boy, it's going to be tough to play in because this team has championship aspirations, then I would back off. But they're not, right? Mm-hmm. They're not. And to look at this kid and to look at the passion he brings, the way he plays, and he is a good player. Yeah. And then, and, and I, I understand that... Andrew is a max player, and I understand he's going to have to play some. But you can't tell me there's not a way to at least balance this out a little bit. And that's the thing. On nights where you feel like Wiggins is just not bringing it, their energy's not there, I would say, guess what? Your minutes are going to this other guy. And maybe that's the way you get through him. You you take playing time. A lot of times that that works in in sports, right? You want to send a message or get through to somebody? It it starts with playing time. Well, and the other part of it, too, is... You beat San Antonio. Now, San Antonio is a little shorthanded with because their point guards are out. They don't really have a point guard situation right now, which is kind of tough on them. But you beat them by 39 points last night, and Andrew Wiggins went 3 for 15 from the field. Yeah, so that basically, yeah. That, it was but, sort of sad again. But, but my point is, yeah. you're almost showing that you don't even really need him at all. No, to you're play right. well. Yeah, you I, don't I, need him I, at all to play well. I do understand that, but you have a massive that's financial the, that's, commitment. That's, with that's him. the problem. I mean that 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 is the biggest problem over all of this, yeah. though, is that contract mm-hmm. because you can't just you can't just not play him because he's making all this money. Yep, and you can't just cut him like it's the NFL because it's fully guaranteed. And even though you've shown now in these last handful of games that you don't need him to be even be productive. For you to win. TCL Broadcast Studios, let's take a break. Come back, uh, talk some Vikings Patriots. It's Zolgad, Chip Scoggins, Manny Hill for, on 1500 ESPN. Sit tight. The Mackie and Judd show will continue in a moment. Do I have your word on that, sir? Mackie and Judd. Absolutely. On 1500 ESPN. Mackie and Judd are back. I have indeed been uploaded, sir. We're online and ready. On 1500 ESPN. All right, quick check on traffic here in the TCL Broadcast Studios. No crashes to tell you about right now. That's that's good news as Chip Scoggins punches his No, face. no, don't say there's no crashes because now there's going to be crashes. Well, I mean, Judd, that's inevitable, though. Like it's, it's I mean, <laughs> Okay, then report it's inevitable there will be crashes. <laughs> Your Bad traffic luck. update here at 319 is there will be crashes later. <laughs> yeah. Let's just hope it's everybody's It's winter safe. in Minnesota. People are going to go off the road or something bad. See Josh come off the bench and just give you energy and effort like that after not playing for a while. I mean, what what does it say about him being able to stay ready and take well, advantage? I, I guess think that. that you know, and again, I want to watch the film, and that's what you know, like when you give up 31 points, that's not good, and so we have to understand that. And then, uh, you know, are we is everyone doing their job? Is everyone doing the right things? 
and that, that's what you want to see. And I liked his energy, and I liked that part of it, and I want him to keep working. Obviously, he's young, and he's, he's got to keep, continue to improve. Can the man ever be happy? That is happy, Tibbs. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> what are you talking about? He's I mean, ecstatic. Can, can you tell? To give up. They won th- by 40, Judd. To give up. Thir- they were up by one point. 48. By 48 points. And Tibbs is critiquing the fourth quarter of this game in which he had the in which he had most of the you know backups in, which he should have. I, I was waiting for, for him to start <laughs> keep playing starters. Can the man ever be happy? That's happy, Tibbs. I just, I, I, <sighs> you know, I, I, I saw him say that because I wasn't. There, I was, you know, I watched it on TV and I watched the post game on Fox Sports North. And when he said that, when he responded to Johnny's question like that, I just laughed. It's just like, come <laughs> oh, so on. did like, I, but it's just like, really, yeah. like, but he's not, this is, but he's not kidding. It's like, throw the kid a bone. Like, he came yeah. out, he has not played in two weeks, literally has like played two minutes in what the like, like the last six games. And also, he's not complaining at all. Mm-hmm. Like he's being a totally good sport about the fact he's not being used, and now he gets a chance to be used, and he has this just fantastic dunk, and he plays, and every time he plays, he plays his ass off. Yeah, he plays so hard. I just, the crowd erupts, the, probably the loudest, Danny told me this earlier today when we were taping the podcast, the loudest point of the of the entire night the crowd was, was when he came into the game. Danny's right. When yeah. they were up by 40 well, points in the fourth quarter. Yeah, I, I think, you know, when he played early on, Manny, you, you remember, he was... It's when that during the Butler stuff and everybody you know had the mm-hmm. weight of the world on their shoulders and the body language was bad. But he's the guy who kept playing hard. Yeah, right. He always gave him a spark, mm-hmm. energy, the way he play, plays both ends. He's an exciting player, very electric. He plays defense. He plays hard, and so I think that's the frustration. But you, I know I know the other side of it is hey, this team's playing well. Second unit's playing really well. You can't play everyone. But Andrew's not playing but well. And, yeah, so no. could you eat into I, his time? I would try it, Judd. I would say hey. You know what? If you're not going to bring it, I'm going to go to the rookie. Andrew Wiggins. Oh, oh and by the way, the 1500 ESPN uh, Mackie and Judd Twitter poll for today. We're asking you if you uh, get on the 1500 ESPN Twitter account, um, how many minutes should Josh Kogi be getting each game? Your choices are uh, 10, 15, 20, or all of Andrew's. <laughs> and right now, 41% are saying all oh, of, of Andrew's Wiggins minutes yeah. should go. To Josh Akogi. Of course. A stat for, for, uh, for you from uh, Johnny Krasinski's piece in The Athletic after last night's game. Andrew Wiggins, over the last four games, he is, after the 3-for-15 night last night, 11-of-52 with nine rebounds and seven assists. 11-of-52 is a 21% shooting percent. I, I, I want to go back, because I, I, I mentioned this a couple weeks ago. Uh, I did a column on him uh, in the preseason where I looked at his number of attempts at the rim mm-hmm. last year versus the year before. And it dropped dramatically mm-hmm. with Butler there. So he stopped attacking. was basically just firing up three-pointers. I want to go back and look at that and see, is it still primarily just jacking up three-pointers or long twos? It feels like long. It, it, yeah, it feels like it, right? Is he get? Is, is there been any uptick now in, his, in his, getting to the rim? His three-point shooting numbers have actually, now in the last couple of weeks, it hasn't been good. But Overall, Overall his, yeah. his, his three point percentage is pretty good this year. It's not bad this year, but, but it's I, it's just it, it's it's the bad shots. It's the inconsistent, you know, attentiveness on defense. It's just he's just got to bring it more, and he's just not doing and it. What was the game where I think I was in studio the next day where he had that big game? Is right after Butler been Pelicans traded against game. the Pelicans? The, Pelicans, yeah. the yeah. first yeah. game with uh, Sarich and, and, what, uh, and what, what was our conversations like? Aha, uh-huh, there it is. That's yep. what we want to see. Now mm-hmm. sustain it. 
And here we are. We haven't seen it since. Here we are. Haven't seen it since. Bill Belichick on a certain element of Sunday's game between the Vikings and Patriots. They're all good. Yeah, they're all good. So, yeah, every one of them. Robinson, Treadwell, um, Thielen, Diggs, Rudolph, the backs, quarterback, um, take your pick. They're all good. I love this man. <laughs> okay. Robinson, Treadwell. Here's Belichick on Harrison Smith. Harrison Smith does a great job with uh, pre-snap disguise. He's one of the best. Uh, you know, Smith, Ed Reed, Palomalu, uh, those guys are, are say, among the best. He's certainly right there. He's he's a hard guy to uh, to read. He does a, an excellent job of timing his movement based on either the quarterback's cadence, the offensive formation, motion, the play clock. He does an excellent job of using some or all of them to put the offense in a in a difficult position to account for him or to not account for him when he's blitzing and so forth. He's he's really good. Bill on Zim. Look, Mike's a game plan coach. Um, he does a great job of scheming and planning for the team he's playing against. So Everyone's going to Canton. <laughs> based on what you do, then he's going to do something to attack you. If you do something else, then he's going to do something else. So you know, he's depends on what you do. That's what you're going to see. I love Belichick. Can, <laughs> Isn't it great? Can you play the uh, Kyle Rudolph one? Oh, of course one? I the can. The Kyle Rudolph one is really great. Of course I can. Tough matchup, this Kyle Rudolph. Tough. Yeah, he's tough. He's big, he's fast, he's good after the catch, he's strong. Uh, he's a good red area player. He's a good vertical route runner uh, down the seams, over routes, posts, things like that. He's good on the catch and run plays. Uh, you know, he's not a guy you want to have the ball in his hands and, you know, let that 255, whatever pounds it is, get rolling. And he's a hard guy to tackle. Um, but he can run by you. He has good speed, and he's obviously a big target. He has good hands, good concentration. He makes some tough catches. So, yeah, he's a big problem. I got a question for you guys. <laughs> wait, wait, wait. Don't what, – what I'm about to say, I'm not comparing their voices exactly, but the cadence. Belichick and Mel Kuyper? Listen to the cadence here. How tough a matchup is Kyle? Just the cadence, so not tough. the one. Yeah, he's tough. He's big. He's fast. He's good after the catch. He's strong. Uh, he's a good red area player. He's a good vertical route runner uh, yeah. down the seams, yeah, over it. routes, yeah. posts. Do you guys hear that? Like that? Yeah. Same cadence. He's good on yeah. the catch and run plays. Could be his next uh, career. It's not a- I think it's a, I think the cadence. <laughs> I think the cadence is darn near identical. But guys, he's not wrong about Rudolph being good after the catch. He's got more yak yards this season than Treadwell has in all of Treadwell's career. <laughs> oh, because Jonathan Harrison, because this is this is the silliest thing that Belichick said in the four sound bites we played. They're all good. Yeah, they're all good. So, yeah, every one of them. Robinson, Treadwell, um, Thielen, Diggs, Rudolph, the backs, quarterback. Um, take your pick. They're all good. Okay, you lose every shred of credibility that you've ever had in life when you lump Laquan Treadwell in with Diggs and Th- If I'm Diggs and Thielen, Robinson. I, yeah, I call up Bill. I'm like, Bill, come on. How good are those wide receivers? Oh, they're great. Robinson, Treadwell, who are the other two guys? Who are, yeah. <laughs> who are those other two guys? That Troy mentioned? Williamson, Michael Jenkins. Everyone's good. Everyone's going to Canton. Oh. Bobby Wade. It's just funny he came up with those <laughs> Robinson Treadwell. I, come on, Bill. Come on. I, I know you hate doing media, but come on. You really, did you really say Laquan Treadwell? Bobby Wade. Uh, they're all good. Yeah. They're, Have you even looked? 
Bill Belichick, have you even spent one second this week looking at film of Laquan Treadwell? Because my guess is you'd haven't. If they throw the ball to number 11 on Sunday, you're going to be the happiest guy in Foxborough. Oh, so great. Oh, I love it. What is your uh, opinion of what, what we saw on Sunday as well, Chip? Because I will say, and, and you could definitely, didn't need to read between the lines, excuse me, too much after the game to figure out that there was definitely some come-to-Jesus discussion about that offense. And it, it went well beyond what we were told. Sounds like Zim and Cousins sat down a couple times, yeah. and he went to flip as well. Mm-hmm. I think they definitely had a conversation about, why did things go so well with Shermer last year, and why aren't we doing more of those things this year? Yeah, and it's interesting. Uh, we saw Rudolph get the ball a lot, and I think there were conversations about that. Hey, let's work Zimmer tight said end. that Kyle actually yeah, spoke up about that. Yeah, I was just, when we were on break, I was looking at Twitter. It sounds like uh, Rudolph talked about today and basically wanted to, you know, figure out a way to be more part of the offense and yep. help the offense. And so it's interesting. We saw what, three or four jet sweeps where uh, the first run is, uh, Dalvin's first run is they motioned Diggs to the backfield and had Dalvin come on the jet sweep. We saw the screen game come back into the picture again after being non-existent. And so there's there's a lot of, I'd say four or five different wrinkles that we really haven't seen in recent weeks. And so um, I didn't look at the, the run-pass balance. I don't think it was really any different, but the biggest thing was, no turnovers. Uh, exactly. There's no turnovers. Zim probably thought, exactly. oh, we ran the ball well. But I think it's just he's, that's his way of saying we didn't turn the ball over. I think the run pass balance balanced out in, in the final quarter. Yeah. When the Vikings started to run more. Yeah. But I looked this up. This is only the second game this season in which Cousins didn't have a fumble or a pick. Mm-hmm. Now, now against the Jets, he had a fumble that they recovered. Yeah. So th- there was no... Lost Kirk Cousins, but, but nonetheless, this is the first time since I think San Francisco that he had did not lose the ball, fumbling it, and it did not throw an interception. And how much do you think that shapes your perception about the way the offense was run in terms of massively? It does. You you think wow, they're a lot more creative, and they did different. No, they, they did, were sm- and they did do different things. They, were but they just didn't turn the ball over. They were smarter. And the other thing that I thought I saw as well was Cousins rolled out and did a nice job of that chip. But it seemed to me that when Cousins felt that there was pressure around him, he protected that ball. Mm-hmm. And there have been times this year where you sort of see him yeah, hold the ball out, and you're like, what are you doing? Yep. And it looked to me like every time the Packers applied pressure and got even close to him, he sensed it enough, and he took that ball and cradled it. And, there, you know, they still, if you're going to line up and just run cr- traditionally, I still don't think they're going to be a very good team that way. But you watch that game, the Packers' secondary is Awful. Oh, they're brutal. I mean, awful. Oh, and they had no shot of of covering uh, Diggs and Thielen. I would have thrown it every down. I honestly would have. I would have said, Who forget was the, the kid that said they weren't that tough? Was it the rookie? They are Alexander, terrible. is that, that right? Jair, Alexander. Jair Alexander. Yeah, he I think said, it was him, yeah. He said they weren't that tough. And then I believe that someone went on Twitter and basically put, you know, Thielen. Yeah, the, Thielen yeah. made that incredible catch. I have no yeah. idea how he got that ball. Yeah, well, the Packers are. Vikings fans should enjoy this right now. Yeah. The Packers are, for the Packers, especially with Aaron starting a quarterback, are a mess. They're going to blow that up, I, you have to think. Oh, and, he's gone. Yeah. McCarthy's gone. Yeah. And so, yeah, I, just, I mean, I, I like the fact that they did some of the jet sweeps with, with Dalvin. I love the fact that they got him. Because that's the thing. If you get him in that screen game and get him in space, 
Yeah. Instead of just lining up in backfield and trying to run it up the middle where he just he gets hammered at the line. But if you put him out there in space on that, you know, as a screen game and just use that kind of as, as a run and play, this offense is just so different. Well, and the Bears game, that's what I didn't get about the Bears game. Well, the, the Bears the, game, they're good. Well, the Bears are, <laughs> their defense is the, pretty good. The Bears are really good defensively. I understand that, Chip. But what I don't get is there didn't really seem to be a coherent game plan for that. I'd agree with that. I'd agree with that. Because you're not going to drop Kirk Cousins back to pass against the Bears. I mean, Khalil Mack. Yeah. Your offensive line can't handle that. You're leaving Riley Reef yeah. on an island by himself to handle the best Absolutely. defensive player in football. But when yeah. you sit down, so so what confused me about the Bears game was when you sit when you sat down in Egan to meet the Tuesday before that game and say, game plan. The start, the starting point of that conversation has to be: we can't handle this guy. Mm-hmm. Like, there's no, well, maybe Riley can do it, or maybe this guy can do it. The starting point has to be: how can we get rid of the ball as quickly as possible, efficiently as possible, and smart? Yeah. Because if we drop Cousins back to pass, he's going to fail. Yeah. And instead, it was like Flip thought to himself: well, no, we'll just have a game plan. Well, no, you won't. Yeah. Yeah. It's. It, I, I'm sure there were some late night meetings with Zim and and. Uh, and flip, and then the other players about, hey, how do we get this thing on track and do some things that we saw last year? And mm-hmm. it, it looked completely different to me. Now, part of that might have been because the Packers are terrible defensively, but part of it was uh, intentional, too. Tom Brady, in December, at home, yeah. in his career, gentlemen, 32-4. and four. Oh, my gosh. At Gillette Stadium, period. So, because he started in the old Foxborough Fox Stadium. Stadium. Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. In Gillette Stadium, one twenty four and twenty. Wow! And they have won twelve consecutive home games. They have not lost a home game since Week Four of last year to Carolina. Well, we had a memorable trip last time the Vikings were there. That was last time they played there. Yeah, two thousand ten. That was a the Moss game. That, that was yeah. an eventful day. I'm not going <laughs> to answer any more questions. questions from I'm the going media. to the podium. Well, you know what? That was Belichick at, at his absolute finest. He traded Randy. He knew that Randy. He knew the Randy who had been Randy was sort of cooked, but Chipper, if you recall, he decided I'm going to roll a safety over mm-hmm. on him all day long, and he is not only not going to have a big day, he's going to catch nothing. Yeah, and he gave up on the one ball where he had the pass interference that could have oh, been yeah. a touchdown. Remember that? Yep. Well, and and that's where he said, "I'm going to podium. <laughs> I'm going to the podium." The league to find me twenty five thousand dollars. I'm not going to answer any more questions for the rest of this year. If it's going to be uh, an interview, I'm going to conduct it. So I'll answer my own questions, ask myself the questions, then give y'all the answers. So. That was. <laughs> oh, gosh, that was classic, Randy. That's the one. That's the press oh conference where I believe I stood up and I didn't yes. I didn't realize that there was still a camera on that was, I think it was rolling back to, what was it? ESPN. NFL Network or ESPN. Yeah. And I said, this is bleeping great. Hot mic. <laughs> and they're like, that's a hot mic. I'm like, I don't care. Oh, so great. This is bleeping great. Mackie and Judd resume things following these messages. That's just about the most fantastic scheme I've had to date. On 1500 ESPN. Hey, Are you ready? Live from the TCL Broadcast Studios. We are ready. Now back to Mackie and Judd. Ready! On 1500 ESPN. Join Matthew Collar and Courtney Cronin for a live taping of the Purple Podcast at Lucky's 13 Pub. In Bloomington tonight from 5 to 7 p.m., we'll be giving away a pair of tickets to watch the Purple Take on Chicago and other 1,500 ESPN prizes. Lucky's 13 Pub in Bloomington tonight from 5 to 7 p.m. Details at 1500ESPN.com. Keyword events. They're all good. Yeah, they're all good. So, yeah, they're every one of them. 
Robinson Treadwell, uh, Thielen. Diggs, I love the side. Rudolph, the backs, quarterback. Um, they could pick. They're all good. I love this part. They're all good. Yeah, they're all good. So, yeah, every one of them. Uh, I guess I gotta. I guess I gotta name him. Yeah, it's not like he was even asked to list them off. He just, he just. All he had to do was just say, "Yeah, they're all good." They're all how good. about he sounds oh, like, no, no, no. "Oh, okay, now, now I'm just gonna name them all." <laughs> so, Chips Goggins, as you said to me off the air, what's your expectation of what uh, Bill is going to do on Sunday? Because Bill always does something yeah. to screw you up. Yeah, he's it, great at that. And Zimmer, Zimmer talked about this um, this week at, during his Wednesday press conference how. He is good at making you left-handed, right? So if you're really good at something, he's going to take that away and force you to beat him another way. And we've seen several instances of that going back to 2006 where they have a really good running game. They come in here. It's the Williams wall. The Vikings are number one rush defense for a couple years straight there. No one could run the ball on them. Remember, they were giving up like 20 yards or whatever. Oh, it's ridiculous, yeah. So what do you say? All right, we'll pass it every time. Halloween night that year, or the night before, he uh, he had Tom Brady in the Metrodome throw forty three passes and they ran fifteen times, yeah. <laughs> and that was it. They ran fifteen times for eighty five yards, which against the uh, yeah, Williams Wall is not bad. But Brady that night was twenty nine of forty three for three hundred seventy two yards, four touchdowns and one mm-hmm. pick, and that was it. Yeah, and then when and and in two thousand ten, you mentioned it uh, before the break there where. He put that safety over the top of Moss every time he was. Mm-hmm. He went. He went. Uh, you know, he wanted to go deep, and he was. Moss was going to try to hit the home run that day, and he had that safety. There was nowhere for him to go. Uh, so you know he's going to have some kind of wrinkle, whether it's for Diggs, Thielen, something that, and that's that's where I think part of his genius is. Is every week he crafts a game plan to fit whatever that team that opponent does. Absolutely, well. and it's absolutely. Yeah. In fact, I once, when when I was covering, it might have been for that game, I called, I want to say at the time, Mike Reese was at the Boston Globe, and I said, what's the Patriots' offense? Because, you know, you deal in terms, right? Yeah. West Coast here and things like that. And Mike said, there is no name. It's called a game plan offense. They go game <laughs> by game. Yeah. They don't They don't spell it out for you. Yeah. They don't have a philosophy. Their philosophy is, what don't you do well? Because we'll beat you. Mm-hmm. How important do you think these next two games are? Well, they're huge. Obviously, two tough, you know, road environments. Obviously, Patriots, you know, and then Seattle's a tough place to play. I think they need to win one one of the two for me just to assure me that because if they lose both these games, I, I'm going to come back to I'm gonna, going to continue to say you have still not beaten a team with a winning record mm-hmm. this season. Yeah, and, you know, I, I Bears, are they going to keep winning? Sounds like... Um, you know they're going to be without their quarterback again this week, but that defense is going to say that defense is going to win them. games for them, and so you need to keep pace. And it, just for, I don't know if they have to beat a team with a winning record just to, to make a statement, but they haven't beat a good team yet, and so this is a chance for them to go in there. They're coming off a really good performance, um, you know, facing two good teams. Yeah, I, I agree with you. I think they need to go one and one. You got this too. Well, actually, you know what? To be fair to you, Chip Scoggins, we've got this, but you probably don't don't want to hear this. We this lost week. to Vandy. I don't hear. It. Yeah. 
We got hey. that. That's your song. We're a basketball school. We're not a football school. I saw. Yeah. I was going to ask you about school. that. I saw the rankings. You guys are good in yeah. basketball. We're a yeah. basketball school. Who cares about Tennessee, football? Yeah, Tennessee Rick, Rick Barnes is doing a good job. Judd, we've lost three straight games to Vandy. And Manny, what's the stat or what's the factoid on that? I'm Chip, sure. I don't know if you knew this. This was the first time that the Vols have lost three in a row to Vandy since the Calvin Coolidge administration. Oh, for- Nineteen twenty-six. We almost had to hit the dump button. Sid Hartman. We almost got us, and we almost had to hit the dump button on Chip Gallion. Sid Hartman was in the first grade. Unbelievable. Nineteen twenty-six. Three in a row to Vandy. Would that have been an f-bomb? Do you think, or an or a, or yes. a, or just a for Christ's sake? Multiple, sakes. multiple, multiple. Where is that dump button? Um, Reno Coolidge. Reno. I could have gotten Coolidge. over and hit it. I'm over to basketball. I'm on to basketball. <laughs> Okay, you know what? We'll go here. Then. <laughs> Where are we going bowling? Where are we going bowling, Chip Scoggins? Well, it, you know, a lot of depends on on the playoff. Uh, if, if Ohio State gets in the playoff, if they win and get in, then everybody goes up a level. If not, then everybody moves down a level. So I've seen four different scenarios. Seen, um, I, I think the most popular one is probably the Pinstripe Bowl in, in New York. Could be uh, Dallas or uh, Detroit, maybe Dallas. I saw today people were speculating uh, Music City Bowl. I take that. <laughs> hey, I'm going in the Hall home. Fame. Going, hey, home. Yeah. going home, Chip Scoggins. Tootsies, I'll be there. It's pretty much the Gopher Bowl now. That's what they call it. Yep. Beat Bama there, right? <laughs> yes. One beat of the great Bama victories in Gopher history. It's not exactly Nick Saban's Bama. Wait, wait, Bama. wait why are you splitting hairs? They beat Bama. <laughs> they did According beat Bama. to Gopher fans, they beat Bama. They did beat Bama. I was there. It's Mike Shula, um, man. Yeah, I know. That was... That was a quick hook. Those, I think those we, were some. <laughs> those were some lean years. First, if you were a Crimson Tide fan back if I, then, if man. I remember correctly, that was their first year off probation, and and I think <laughs> I don't. I can't remember if, if Shula got fired that next year. I, I think he did, but yeah, they beat Bama. I could do. I could. I could do a bowl game in Nashville. That'd okay, so you will put in to travel to which bowl? Because you there's no way you're going to Detroit, Nashville. Okay, so you'll go Nashville. I, I saw in uh, in the strip today. Possibility of Santa Clara for the. I'm sorry, I forget the bowl name now. I just forgot it now. Yeah, it's the, it's pi- the, the the pin box bowl. The, no, the red box bowl. The, <laughs> the red box bowl, right? The tiny box bowl. The red box bowl. Red, red box, box bowl. Yeah, thank you. One. Yeah, I think there's probably I'd five scenarios. So, uh, like I said, it all depends. We find out Sunday when they release the uh, the playoff, and and then they're, all the other bowls get filled. So, I. <sighs> I, I don't, you know, I think Ohio State was what six Manny in the in the latest. I think so, yeah. In the latest thing, I, fifth. If everybody wins, are they really going to jump two teams? I don't think so. Unless it's they're going to have to win big, and those other teams are going to have to look bad. Well, Georgia, if Georgia loses to Alabama, that would help Ohio State and for Oklahoma sure. Yeah, if Georgia wins, then who's uh, going then? Or if, if, Georgia, if Georgia, no, I'm sorry, if Bama. Beats Georgia. Well, Bama, Clemson, and and Notre Dame for sure. They're, yes, yep. Those, sure. Now you're down to Georgia, Ohio State, Oklahoma. Who do you for that take? Last one. Dep- if, if it all plays out, you know, like it's, it should. Mm-hmm. who do I think the best team is? Georgia. Yeah. Now Oklahoma, that offense is great. They're, they can't they're, stop their quarterback, Kyler Murray, is going to finish second in Heisman. But they play no defense in that league. They it's don't it's, stop it's ridiculous. They're they're. And they defense fired. Is terrible. They fired Stoops as the DC, but they still stink yeah, at defense. The defense, is that right? is, the defense is terrible. Okay, but then I look at Ohio State. Now you can look at that that performance last week. And you're like, okay, that's the Ohio State we were expecting. But they underachieved all. They mm-hmm. won, but they did not look like a. I don't a think he's coming back. Team. I don't either. I think he's done after this year. I saw him at the Gophers, Rutgers, yeah. all these teams they played. Judd, they did not look like a dominant team. 
especially defensively. And then Purdue kicked the crap and out Purdue of them. Killed is, them. There a ca- yep. is there a case if Georgia just hangs close to take Georgia? So if, if Bama beats Georgia on Saturday <sighs> two losses. to two take losses Georgia? Two losses, yeah. two losses over. But, but you know my rule. I want the best games. Well, it's. Yeah. Like, I don't, want, I don't want to reward teams. I want to reward me as a fan. I give, think they look at the eye test. Games. If they're looking at eye test, maybe. Maybe. Because Oklahoma just does not play defense. Well, if you're telling me a team doesn't play defense, I don't want them. As a fan, I don't want them. But they'll, they'll look Ohio at Ohio State. I've seen enough. I don't want them. But that they'll yeah. look at that offense too and say, "Hey, we got a guy who's going to, you know, Heisman Trophy candidate. That offense can score a lot of points. They're fun to watch. They're looking at that too, Judd. Too bad the uh, UCF quarterback got hurt. Yeah, no, no, I don't know. But they, didn't, they don't he, play a tough enough schedule. I don't want no. them. They don't play a tough enough I don't, schedule. I don't care if the quarterback's perfectly. I don't want them. It's a nice little story. You know what? When I was 12, <laughs> I loved that crap. Oh, they're just a little, you know, BYU. Take BYU. I was such a little snot face. I don't want those teams. I want good teams. I don't want Cinderella's. Don't go anywhere. More Mackie and Judd coming up next. Oh, that's just what they'll be expecting us to do. On 1500 ESPN. Mackie and Judd are back. Start churning butter and put on your church shoes, little sister, because we're about to blast off. On 1500 ESPN. Golick and Wingo want to send you, uh, want to give you an all-expense-paid trip to the 2019 College Football Playoff National Championship in Santa Clara. Tweet a video to at Golick and Wingo uh, before December 5th, telling them why you are key to your team winning the championship. Include the hashtag uh, GWChampContest for your tweet to be officially entered. More details at 1500ESPN.com. TCL Broadcast Studio, Zolga, Chipscog, and Star Tribune for uh, one more segment before Phil Mackey steps in the studio. Manny Hill, Jonathan Harrison, we are all here. All right, did you see what happened to my hockey team on Tuesday? I saw a meltdown. Oh, against the Arizona Coyotes, who haven't made the playoffs in six years. Every time, Chip, every time I start yeah. to believe, these guys just cut me right off at how, the knees. How much is that is just hockey, though? That you're going to have three of those games a year. Except three of their past four games at I home, know. they've blown third-period leads. Yeah. If it had just been one game and they had been playing really well before that and had been solid, I would have said, oh, yeah, that's just hockey. And I, I still, listen, I'm not bailing completely yet, but... Uh, I get worried when I see the Dubnik swoon starting in around Thanksgiving. Yeah, he has. That's kind of his mo, though, right? Yes. You have that. He'll have that stretch where you're like, "What is going on here?" But then he, he to his credit, he pulls himself out of it, and typically, but you know, it, I don't know if it's alarming or whatever. I know he was sick one time, but um, I gotta be honest, Judd. They've played better than I expected them to be at oh, this point. Me too. Now, part of that is, to Dubnik's credit, part of that was they played some really bad games early in the season, and he single-handedly won those he, he games. He saved their bacon, yeah. And yes. that, you know what? That's what you have to have. But you, there were some things that they were doing that I was very high on. It's The problem with Tuesday night's game is it was just a reminder of how fragile they can be, mm. and that's what it always seems to come back to. Because this team is this team's got some talent, but the problem is that we run into time and time again is well, me- is mental toughness, you know, and that's the problem. And it goes back to the conversation we have six years running now that yes. they they have they're a good play they're a good uh, regular season team. You see it. I mean, they're they and Boudreaux's a hell of a coach. He's a hell of a coach. But is this team constructed the way they are to win 
multiple series in the playoffs. Which leads us back to the Mackie and Judd Twitter poll of the day that we did yesterday. Oh, How far do you see the Wild going this season? No playoffs, only 9%. First round exit again, 69%. Conference finals run, 14%. Stanley Cup, the dope smoking 8%. (laughs) So 69% say, but every time... Honestly, and now Dubnik's back in goal tonight. The one thing that I that's frustrated me a little bit is Alex Daylock's not a bad goaltender. Mm-hmm. I'd play him more. It's not going to, I mean, what, Dubnik's feelings are going to get hurt because he's not playing as much? Ultimately, it's going to help him, Yeah, not but hurt him. That's one of those ones where the coach, you know, has a trust factor with, with the number one goal, and he probably, the number one goal, he probably says, I want to play a lot. So what do you do? You tell the I'm, number one goaltender, I'm, I'm looking out for your best interest. I'm not... I'm not talking about Dubnik not playing a lot already. I'm just, Stalock to me is better than just a traditional backup. Darcy Kemper was unplayable. That last yeah. year you couldn't play him and Dubnik wore down. I guess if I'm Boudreaux, what I would be looking to do would be to play Stalock enough where I feel comfortable that Devin's not beginning to wear down. Do you really think he's going to wear down though? I, mean, I think he that... consistently wears down. Yeah, you I think, think that's, you think that's been the issue. I think that's been a problem playoffs? in March. I think that's been a problem come March a, a few times. Now, to Dubnik, Dubnik did play well. The playoff series that they lost to Jake Allen and the Blues a couple years ago in the it first round, yeah. he was good. But look at Dubnik, and he has had a habit, I think, February into March of starting to get tired. And he's tired because he's playing so much. So if well, I'm part the of wild, that, I guard against that. It's part of that, too, that they dig this hole and they need him to play every game well, to, that was to the, get to the playoffs. You know, Do you remember the year Chuck went and, and he had to. got him from yeah. the Coyotes and he basically didn't come out of the goal? He had to because they were I so know. far in the hole. Now, you're, you're operating in a different spot now because, I don't know, they still have the second most points in the league uh, right no, now. No, no, no. That's, some. that's done. That's done. <laughs> that's done. that's you're, done after the last last game and... Uh, in fact, but, the but they're not are hot. And yeah, they, they've they have it goes. The Central Division now goes. Nashville's in first place. Colorado's in second place. I think the Wild's two points back. But Judd, you know, it's still to me, it comes down to health because I, sure. I don't think their depth is great. It comes down to health. Can they avoid you know the big injuries like they've had in previous years? And, the and other, that's that's the one thing you can't control or you, you don't know. And the other thing that drives me absolutely crazy is. Suter is going to get to play with Spurgeon again tonight, and Dumba's playing with Brodeen, and Dumba and Brodeen were god-awful in the Coyotes game, and there is no compelling reason other than Suter doesn't want to do it to put him back with Dumba. I would just say, Ryan, you're doing it. You're doing it. (laughs) You're going to play with Dumba. He's a stabilizing influence, and and he gives Dumba exactly. Dumba has offensive skill that is out of this world. However, he is not a very good defenseman, and so putting him with Ryan actually works pretty well. well that's the thing. You need somebody to cover up for his mistakes. Absolutely. Thanks, Chip. All right, brother. Mackie joins the show next. TCL Broadcast Studios. Don't go anywhere. More Mackie and Judd coming up next. Oakley-dokley. On 1500 ESPN.